0: Thanks for joining us for the Covenant Living broadcast with Pastor John Butler of Covenant Life Church, located at 130 Atlantic Avenue in Bremen, Georgia.
1: Matthew chapter 9. When he, Jesus, saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. And Jesus said to his disciples, The harvest is great, but the workers are few. Now look at this, what Jesus said. So pray to the Lord who's in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into the fields. Father, I just pray that you would add your anointing, your blessing, your understanding to your word today. Lord, we read it um, with respect and reverence, um, understanding that not everybody in the world can read your word out loud. And we just thank you for the privilege of being able to do that. And I pray that we never take it for granted. And I pray that we never fall victim to just reading it or even just reading it and understand it. I pray, God, that we read it, we understand it, and we put it into practice in our lives. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Well, I'm not sure there is another occasion where Jesus made a prayer request. Think about that. Jesus told the disciples, pray that God will send laborers into the harvest because we don't have enough help. That's what Jesus said. Jesus was enlisting his disciples to pray for more laborers, more workers to share the the good news that Jesus came to provide. It's been 2,000 years and I don't think anything's changed. It's still the number one need In the kingdom of God today. More laborers. Now I don't want you to panic. We're not having sign up sheets for you to go and do something starting next week. That's not what this is. I just want you to understand context and why this message is important today. I don't think the problem with our labor shortage is that people don't understand that they're supposed to be doing something for the Lord. I don't think the issue is that people are like, what, we're supposed to be working for the Lord? I think most people get that. I think the problem is twofold. First of all, I think people just feel too weak in their faith to be able to or to be worthy to work in the kingdom. And secondly, even though they know the Holy Spirit is given to us to provide power, they don't really understand who he is. They don't understand who the Holy Spirit is uh, and, and, and they don't understand what it is that he does in our lives. As a matter of fact, if we, if we can be honest, can we be honest today? All right? If we're being honest, a lot of the people who have claimed to have all this spiritual power have proven to be some combination of odd and unpleasant. <laughs> like, some are just really weird, and some are just plain mean, Y'all didn't say amen as good as I wanted to say. I would have said amen when I heard that. Um, lots of believers are like, if that's what the Holy Spirit does in your life, if that's what spiritual strength and power look like, I don't, I don't want anything to do with that. So we're in the third week of a series called uh, the Love of God series, and it's about the love of God. Um, what I think is happening in this series is we're finding out the love of God's a lot more important and a lot more powerful than maybe we thought it was. What if I told you that the power and the strength that God wants to fill you with is love? Would, would that make a difference in, in your willingness to, to, to receive his power into your life? If we will surrender ourselves to the love of God, allowing that love to flow into the people around us, then I think we'll be amazed at the results in our lives and in the lives of the people who are around us. As a matter of fact, the whole premise of the message, that's the whole premise of the message today. And the message is called the power of love. The power of love. So I want to show you what love can do in the life of a believer. Uh, Look at Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians 3 and verse 16. Now I'm usually a topical preacher on Sunday mornings. Um, And I use a lot of different scriptures today. We're going to kind of just park it right here in Ephesians 3 So if you've got your bible, you might want to just leave it open there if you're on your bible app Just go ahead and leave it open to this passage because we're going to refer back uh, Back to it. So starting in verse 16 uh, Through verse 21 the apostle paul says I pray That from his glorious unlimited resources He god will empower you with inner strength though it's too great to understand fully. Then you'll be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we are than we might ask or think. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Like we could just go home. I mean, that's, that, there's the power of love right there. And we're going to talk about it in a minute. Make sure we don't miss anything, okay? Um, verse 16, Paul says he's praying for the believers in the city of Ephesus. That they'll be empowered with strength from God's glorious unlimited resources. Now, let's break that down for just a second. God is all powerful, right? That means he has no needs, God doesn't need anything. His resources are unlimited. God never sits around like we do sometimes and wishes that he could have something or do something. Like He has the power. That's not ever the issue. And since we were created with kingdom work to do, we never have to wonder about the power to accomplish whatever it is that God called us to do. We don't, we don't have to find the power or find the ability. He gives us the power. He gives us the ability because he's got all power. And giving us power does not diminish his power because you can't defi- divide infinity. Did that, hurt? Did that hurt your head for a second? It, you, you can't. It doesn't matter where you slice it. There's still an infinite amount everywhere. If we're doing the work of the kingdom, the king will provide us with the power to accomplish the work. Now, how does that power come to us? It comes to us through the Holy Spirit. That's what the scripture just said. And isn't that what Jesus said in Acts chapter one in verse eight, he says, you will receive power after the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Now, what does, what does the Holy Spirit power do for us? Well, it, it says it in that, in that verse right there. It says he, he comes upon you. Where, where does this power reside? It comes upon us and resides in our inner man. He said right there in Ephesians, God will give you inner strength through his spirit. Okay? Please hear this today. Everything about following Jesus is an inside-out proposition. Everything about following Jesus is an inside-out proposition. It starts on the inside. It grows out of the inner strength that you can only get through the Spirit. Okay? You say, John, that's, that's exactly what I need in my life. I just, I just feel weak. Well, how do you get that inner strength? First of all, by surrendering your life to Jesus and, and getting saved. And then once you're saved, that inner strength comes from surrendering to the Holy Spirit and spending time in prayer and worship and the Word. Now, that really nuts religious people up. It really drives religious people crazy. Hey, look, we got lost and found here. Hey, sweetie. She brought me Dunkin' Donuts. That's awesome. You are far too young to have this child. That's ridiculous. There you go. And the cup was empty anyway, and I drank it black. So there you go. <clears throat> this, it drives people, it drives religious people crazy when we start talking about this inside out thing. Because what religious people want to do is give people the rule book, they want to take, they want to take new believers and hand them the rules, and like they want to just roll it out on a scroll. Of all the things, and and you know, people always say, the list of things you can and can't do. I never even got the list of things I could do. (laughs) My whole list was thou shalt not. (laughs) I couldn't do nothing. So it was like, is it fun? Yes. Well, you can't do it. (laughs) Like, do you like it? Yep. Can't do it. Because God forbid that we should have some happy people in the kingdom of God. (laughs) right? So religious people are, are, they're all about that. So when we start talking about, listen, you need to pray, you need to worship, you need to get in the word. Religious people are like, no, there's more. Eh, really not. It starts on the inside and works its way out. What religious people want to do is start on the outside and squeeze it in. And that's not how that works. So they start, they start wanting to change the way the new believers look and talk and act and where they go and what they do. But that's outside in. And that's the religious specialty. This is about a relationship with Jesus. Okay? Paul didn't say, I pray that you get your act together and quit embarrassing us by what you're doing. He said, I pray that you receive inner strength And that God God provides through the Holy Spirit. You say, well, good, John. So it doesn't matter how I live? Yes, it matters how you live. Yes. But it starts on the inside first. And then it makes its way to the outside. You have to get strong on the inside. And if you learn to spend time with him in prayer and and in worship and in the word, then that inner strength develops way faster than you can even imagine. But you commit yourself to that, not the rules. Verse seventeen, verse seventeen says that Jesus will make His home in your heart as you start to trust Him. As you start to trust Him, it's a process. While you're in the process of learning, Jesus is still in your heart. You know he don't he doesn't wait to show up until you got it all together. Isn't that good news? He does not wait to show up. He he is still in your heart as you're learning to trust him. He does not move out every time you mess up and then move back in when you repent. Like Jesus is not living out of a suitcase, just standing there waiting on you to mess up. He's not going to abandon you for every misstep and mistake. He is right there in your heart leading you, guiding you, encouraging you. He's not like the perfectionist mom or the hypocritical dad that you might have grown up with. He's on your side. He's helping you. He's not tearing you down. Now, what's this inner strength that he provides? God's got all these unlimited resources. So what resource is it that he's going to give us to make us strong? Well, that's in the last part of this verse. And it's really kind of surprising. It says your roots will grow down deep into God's love and make you strong. The only way that love is going to keep you strong. I'm sorry, it says drive, it, drive down deep in God's love and keep you strong. The only way that it's going to keep you strong is if love is what made you strong in the first place. The inner strength that comes from the Spirit is the glorious, unlimited love of God. That's what God gives us through His Spirit to make us strong and to keep us strong. Another translation says we get rooted and grounded in the love of God. I love that. You say, well, well why is that such a big deal? Well, what did we learn last week about God's love? God's love is eternal, it was present before God ever spoke the universe into existence. That's what Ephesians 1, I think it's verse 4 says. If you you want to be made strong by something, it doesn't get better than tapping into a resource that has existed from eternity past. It means that it's never going to run out. The strength that you're tapping into is never going to run out. The strength in your inner man is the love of God and it's never going to be exhausted. Now, we also learned last week that God's love isn't earned. His love's not earned. Everybody okay? All right? His love's not earned. His love's not dependent upon your accomplishment. And that's huge. If if Christ is in your heart as you learn to trust him, that means when you mess up, he's not pinching off your supply of strength until you get it right. Isn't that what we do? Amen. Amen. That, that's what i do if y'all messed up. Like, be glad I ain't God, right? And I am glad that you ain't God. Because that's what we think. When we mess up, God's like, nope, gonna take that strength until you get it right. It, it's not like a pirate ship, right? The beatings will continue until morale improves. That, that's, that's not how that works. He's for you. He's for you. He's giving you his strength in endless supply. He never crimps the line. He never pinches it off. You get all of this, all of this endless, limitless strength through his love that he, comes in, that he puts into your life. And you never have to question it. You never have to wonder about it. You don't have to wonder whether he still loves you or whether you're still in a relationship. He's He's there. If there's anything you want to be supplying your strength, it's the love of God. You say, John, I don't don't know about all this love stuff. Sounds kind of squishy. Sounds a little like snowflake stuff to me. I'm just not sure it's strong enough to build my life on and to make me like Jesus. Well, let me tell you something. The only person who would ever say that love isn't strong has either never been loved or never loved anybody. There is nothing weak or squishy about love. It is the strongest force in the universe. We saw this a couple weeks ago. What does John 3.16 teach us? That love is what caused the almighty God of the universe to give his perfect and holy, only begotten son to die for the sins of people who didn't want him, didn't recognize him, didn't didn't welcome him, didn't even care about him. If love can do that, love can do anything. Including help you get stronger in your faith including help you fulfill the work that God has, caused, has, has called you to. If you have any question that, that Paul is talking about the love of God, verse 18 continues his prayer. And his prayer is that the believers, all the believers, will have the power to understand how wide, how long, how high, and how deep God's love is. God's love is so vast... It's so great, it's so boundless and limitless that you need the power of God to even start to understand the love of God. Because the next verse says, you really can't even wrap your brain around it. You can't even comprehend it fully on this earth. And then Paul says, God, I pray that they experience the love of Christ. Not just understand it, experience it. Now, I looked up the word experience here to see what it meant in the original language, and it's a really cool word. It's a, it means, it, it, the, the definition is really broad, and there's a lot of really cool little nuances in it. So based on the definition, Paul was praying for the believers that they would be convinced of the love of God. Like, there's, no, there's no question. They are convinced of God's love. They he prayed that they would feel God's love. When you experience something, you feel it, right? They they prayed that He would they would feel it. It's not just a spiritual fact that you understand academically the love of God can be felt and experienced. Paul prayed that they were aware of its presence in their lives, that they just walk around with this understanding that. The love of God has got me right now in this moment. He he prayed that they can speak of his love to other people. That, That no matter what happens, that the love of God is a firm foundation to build their lives upon. Listen, you can experience the love of God. You can experience his love. You can feel it. You can know it. The kids' song says, Jesus loves me, this I know. And you can know it not just because the Bible tells you so, but because it's a constant source of strength and comfort and power in your life. And when you get that that full and that convinced of the love of God, then it's like Ezekiel said, it's like a fire shut up in your bones. It's impossible to keep his love to yourself. You want to share his love with people. You want to share his love with other people. You want to serve them in the moments of their, of their greatest needs. That's the power of love. Now, I want really bad to just talk about how incredible that is. Maybe take a little praise break. But this passage is not even finished. It's not finished. Do you know what happens when we understand the height and the depth and the width and the breadth of his love? Do you know what happens when we experience his love to the point that we're totally convinced of it? Do you know what happens when we drive our roots down deep into that love and we draw strength into our inner man through the Holy Spirit? The the end of verse 19 tells us, he says, then you'll be made complete. That means mature and strong. It means you won't lack for anything in in the way you walk with Christ and in your work for Christ. You won't be weak in your faith anymore. And not only that, but you'll have all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. That's what it said. When you understand that about his love, you have all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Jesus said you have to give up your life to follow him. Isn't that what he said? You have to lay down your life. You have to take up your cross and follow me. You all remember that in the Bible? You remember Jesus? <laughs> yep. Okay. So he said if you're going to follow me, you've got to lay down your life. Well, he knew all the while that when we would lay down the life we had, he was going to give us another life that was better. It was a full life, an abundant life through the love that only Jesus can provide. You know how many religious people have tried to experience that kind of life and fullness of God's power? Pretty much all of them but they were trying to do it from the outside in. They did their best to do everything just right and to look just right and to act just right and to pray just right and dress just right and do all the things they thought a good Christian was supposed to do and that by doing those things, they will have earned the right to the power of God in their lives. The problem is the cards are stacked against you from the beginning. Because Romans says, none of us is righteous. We aren't, we can't be, we never will be. And then after we're saved, even after we're saved, the things we do in our own strength, in our own capacity to love, is still like filthy rags compared to the righteousness of Christ. So listen to me, religious people. Listen to me. And that's no judgment. That's how I was raised too. It's taken. I've spent more time unlearning stuff about the Lord than I have learning stuff. All right? So, so listen to me, perfectionists. Listen to me, people who are worn slap out from trying to earn the love of God. Listen to me, judgy people. That ain't even a word, but you know what I'm talking about, don't you? Listen to me. The power of God, pleasing God, following God, is an inside-out proposition. It starts and ends with the love of God on the inside. We already saw that in 1 Corinthians 13 a couple weeks ago. You can be as spiritually gifted as you want to be, but if you're not operating in love, you are making zero impact on the kingdom of God. That's what it says. God's kingdom is a kingdom of love, and if you're operating in any other power, you're not accomplishing anything, and you're wearing yourself out. The real power of God is the power of love. If you want to know if somebody really has spiritual power, look for the love. Don't look for the, don't look for the giftings. Don't look for the smoke and the mirrors and the, all, all the, Look for the love. There, there is no behavioral substitute for the love of God. You can't fake it till you make it. Okay? You're like, oh, really? Yeah, really. You can't, you can't just act like you love people. Like when you get to the end of the day and you didn't hurt somebody, that's not the love of God. Okay? Don't like score. No. <laughs> Romans 14 says, you have to really love people. The power to do that only comes from God. You say, John, is it, is it time to take a praise break now because you give us all this power? No, because it just keeps getting better. As a matter of fact, we've gotten excited about this next verse for, for decades. And we probably never even knew what it was related to. At least I didn't. So look at verse 20. Verse 20 says, now all glory to God. So Paul's taking his own praise break. All all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us. Well, let's stop right there. What is the mighty power at work within those who are followers of Jesus? We just talked about it. It's the love of God. Isn't it? It's the love of God. God's love is given to us in our inner man through the Holy Spirit. We sustain the power of love by driving our roots down deep into his love. We extend that love when we try to comprehend the width and the depth and the breadth and the height of his love. We get made complete when we experience his love to the point that we start to walk in it and start to give it away That's the power that works inside of us, not external holiness, not legalism, not some kind of super spiritual weirdness, certainly not some sort of self-righteous meanness. It's the power of love. That's what's working on the inside of us. Now let's go back and finish the verse. What is God able to do through the power of love that's operating in us? Well, the King James Version says, because you've heard this probably growing up in church, exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you could ask or even think. This version says infinitely more than we might ask or think. That's what happens when you surrender to his love, when you're baptized in his love. You say, John, I'm just I'm not that talented. I get it. Jesus was is asking us for, for laborers and, and he doesn't just want us to pray about it, he wants us to like labor. He wants us to be part of the answer to the prayer. But I'm just not talented. I don't know how many times I've heard people say that. I don't have any gifts. I'm not a spiritual giant. I I don't know if God can use me. Listen, it doesn't matter what you think, it matters what God thinks. He's the gatekeeper here. He's the one that decides whether he wants you to do something or not. And guess what? He does. He already told you. He does. But, but because God calls you into his kingdom, because God has all these unlimited resources, he's giving you the power and his power will help you do infinitely more than you could even imagine. But you have to stay in his love. You stay in his love. Remember, we're saved for a purpose. We've got work to do. And most people in the body of Christ have convinced themselves that they can't and they shouldn't because of some outside-in sort of standard that's been placed on them by religion. When you recognize that it's not about you, that it's about letting his love operate through you, then the excuses get taken away and more and more people start walking into the roles and the opportunities that they were always meant to fill. They start walking into the fields and working in the harvest. Churches don't have to beg for volunteers. People step up because, the, because they love God and they love people and they want the love of God that they've experienced to flow through them to bring healing and hope and help to everybody else they meet. So what in the world would happen? What in the world would happen if we had a church full of people who saw themselves as worthy and able because of the love of Jesus? What would happen? Listen, it doesn't even have to be a church full of people. What would happen in your life if you believed How the the power of love and you allowed it to operate in your life how would that change some of you are having a hard time parenting difficult children how do you do that the love of God do you know you can pray and ask God to help you love people you can and he's not offended by that as a matter of fact that's kind of the whole point he can help you with those things if you ask him and if you're open to it and if you're not more determined to be ornery than you are to let the love of God flow through you as long as you stay rooted and grounded and submitted to the power of God's love you can do whatever he calls you to do whatever your hands find to do you have the power to do it through him and I'm telling you that is a chain breaking wall crumbling kind of decoration Amen. declaration please insert the L declaration not a decoration the, listen while we're here let's just highlight my mistake the love of God is not a decoration in your life you don't just add it to the outside it ain't earrings it's the essence of who you are it is a declaration, not a declaration. Okay? So maybe I made one mistake on purpose. That's great. So when, when, you, I, I, when you start walking in the power of love, shame has to fall. Guilt has to fall. Unworthiness has to fall. Inadequacy has to fall. Condemnation has to fall. Pride has to fall. Because you can do all things through christ but only through christ who strengthens you you can allow his spirit to work through you you can allow his word to come up and out of you you can be a witness to his power and love in your life you can lift your hands in worship you're not drawing attention to yourself you're drawing attention to the one who loves you and gave himself for you he's worthy of your praise You can serve him. You can carry his light and his love to other people. You can reach out to the unlovable. You can sit with the person at school that nobody else wants to sit with. You can talk to the person that nobody else wants to talk to. This kingdom is calling for laborers. And you've always disqualified yourself because you thought it was about talent and you thought it was about gifting and you thought it was about all this external stuff. I'm telling you today, the love of Jesus has made you qualified and strong and effective. And the power of his love makes you more and more like Jesus. And that's kind of the whole point. So here's the altar call today. Surrender to his love. Surrender to his love. Yield yourself to his love. Ask God to help you understand it and to help you experience it. Do you know, do you know the greatest commandment that Jesus said? I said, What's the greatest commandment? He said, Love God and love others as you love yourself. Part of the problem that we have with loving others is that we never have really learned to love ourselves in the way God intends for us to do. Okay? So, learn the love of God for yourself. Experience it for yourself. Quit being so harsh and critical and judgmental on yourself. And then that carries over into everybody else's life too. When it comes to your spiritual life, you say, John, i got all these spiritual needs. Quit praying about anything else except the love of God. Pray that you understand and experience the love of God in your life. Because that takes care of everything else. Just ask Him to help you live and grow in His love. Because that's your spiritual power. Y'all stand with me, please. there is always an opportunity to express the love of God no matter where you go. Even in a church service, sometimes you get the opportunity to express the love of God to somebody who needs it. Right? Sometimes before, sometimes after. Sometimes you see people struggling. Sometimes you see people who don't know any different and you you can express the love of God to them through you. Or you can sit and point and laugh and judge and do all the other ways that churches have been doing for centuries who have a choice to make. And it's not just what happens in a church service. It's what happens tomorrow on your job. It's what happens this week at the ball field. What happens at Walmart, God help us all. There are many, many opportunities for you to check the love level in your life and you're going to fail because we all do when you do guess what Jesus is still residing in your heart and if you'll just keep driving those roots down he'll keep teaching you how to love even the hard to love and you know what every one of us have been in that hard to love category at one time or the other so today I just want you to pray about the love of God in your life and if you've never experienced the love of God, if you've never surrendered yourself to Him, if you've never been saved, you've never asked the Lord to forgive you of your sins and actually repented of your sins and turned your back on those and said, I'm, I'm going to follow Jesus. This life I've been living is not leading me anywhere good. I'm going to do something completely different. I want to follow Jesus. Then you can do that today as well. So if you want to come, uh, we're going to pray. This altar is open. It's always open. If you want to come and pray, never been saved, you don't even know what it means we'll be happy to tell you about it and lead you there. If you want to pray about anything else that you've got going on in your life whether it's a decision to make, whether it's a relationship issue, a financial issue whatever, a a physical need in your body whatever it is, you come and we'll be happy to pray with you about it. Okay, Father thank you for your love thank you for loving the unlovable thank you Lord for loving us enough to send your son to die for us when we didn't deserve it And Lord, I just thank you that you've given us the power to do everything you've called us to. Help us, God, to learn to walk in it. In the name of Jesus, we pray.